Lord, thank you for the privilege to open your word. Thank you that it is not hidden from us and that we are not prevented from being able to access it. We ask, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would reveal your truth to us and that it would change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Preach through the creed, they said. It'll be fun. No. <laughs> See, try to get it done in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, contained within the Apostles' Creed are so many um, truths and doctrinal things that we could just dive into so deeply that we would be here for a very long time. And uh, today, we're only going to take a look at God, the Father Almighty. <laughs> and even that is far too much for today. But I have to start somewhere, okay? Uh, theologians have been trying to work through this for centuries. Far greater minds than mine have worked on this stuff. And yet, here we are. The Lord is calling us to this at this time. And so... We just invite the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to us, to cut through our own presuppositions and our own error and our own cloudiness of understanding to teach us what he would have us to know. <clears throat> we talked about I believe last week. I'm looking at the creed. It started out as just some baptismal statements and uh, didn't really get put together until somewhere in 600, 700, 800, depending on which version of the creed you look at at what time. <laughs> and here we are, we have this now codified series of statements that help hold us to the truth of the word of God. Um, today we're looking at three areas. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty. Hopefully we can get something out of each one of those areas. We really should be going in depth on each one. Uh, and we will try. But my prayers and the Holy Spirit will show something to each one of us today. So, you know, <clears throat> many people, perhaps a majority of people around the world, believe in some kind of God or gods. Uh, some people believe in kind of this impersonal God that's, you know, out there. That's kind of like the God with the long white hair and maybe the beard and doesn't really care about what's happening or is too busy to be concerned with it. Um, Albert Einstein was in awe of, quote, the old one. <laughs> uh, and he sort of meant the fundamental patterns of the universe that inspired awe within him. Uh, others think of God as like the Force in Star Wars, you know. Use the Force, Luke. Uh, that sort of thing, that God is in us and through us, and the rock is God, and the tree is God, and, you know, the mosquito you just flattened is God. Um, <clears throat> some people believe in a God that kind of got the universe rolling and then took his hands off and said, here you go, <laughs> right? Uh, stepped back to watch from a distance. He's far away. He's relevant. Sort of like your long-lost grandfather that you never see but have seen pictures of and hear some things about, some of which may or may not be good, but he might send you a check at Christmas or for your birthday, you know? Um, other people believe in a God who is really harsh and is a dictator 
and gives rules for no reason without love. Others have a God that look an awful lot like themselves, affirming everything that they do, while hating the same people that do different things. Some people believe in lots of different gods or multiple spirits that can be appeased or manipulated to get what they want. Um, others believe in their own personal higher power or their own personal truth, the thing that helps keep them on the right track and makes them happy and prosperous. What does the Bible have to say, though? What do Christians actually believe? That's what we're looking at here. What do Christians believe? Got to start at the beginning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. It is a presupposition. God is pre-existent. In the beginning, God before the heavens and the earth, before anything existed, God, without beginning, without end. Can you wrap your mind around that? Not really. Not really. We can get the idea, but being humans, we're, we're in this sort of linear time, right? So for us to get this idea of in the beginning, God, it probably conjures images of like sci-fi for us or something. I don't know, something we've watched on TV. God is outside of time, right? He is contemporary with everyone at every time. Think about that for a minute, right? The God that you know is the same God that Moses knew, is the same God that Adam and Eve hid from, is the same God that the disciples ran to see in the empty tomb, right? Same one. All through all of that time. <clears throat> he doesn't have a past, so to speak, right? We consider it like a past because we think of things in that kind of time. And if you'll forgive me for saying he doesn't have a future, <laughs> he, he does, obviously. But not in the same way that we think about our lives in terms of a past and a future. He is eternally present at all times and in all places. And there's lots of big words for all of that, which we can talk about another time. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so many people think the question is whether or not to believe in God. The difference between a theist, one who believes in God, and an atheist, one who does not believe a God exists. That's not really the question, and it's not the question that the Bible poses for us either. The question that the Bible poses for us is what are we worshiping? Everybody worships something. The Bible is very clear that everybody worships. <clears throat> the Bible is teaching belief in God as opposed to belief in idols. Now, right now, you're probably thinking of, you know, like the idol that Indiana Jones swiped off the thing in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or something like that. But an idol is anything that displaces God on the thrones of our hearts. Okay, Paul Tillich wrote it this way. Um, Our God is that which concerns us ultimately. What ultimately concerns you? What ultimately consumes your thoughts and your actions and your priorities when you're not here on Sunday morning? That should be a wake-up call for everybody, myself included. 
Whatever is our ultimate concern is God for us. What is your supreme passion? What do you value the highest? An idol is anything less than God that is accepted in his place. So the real issue for Christians then, people that are professing to be Christians, is practical atheism. So we say we believe, but it makes no difference in our lives. It doesn't change how we are. We might as well be an atheist. So God pre-existed outside of time. Kind of hard for us to understand. Dwelling in an approachable light. You know? Immortal, invisible, God only wise. In light inaccessible, hid from our eyes. The hymn goes, right? Great hymn. God is holy. God is omnipotent, omniscient. You know, all-powerful, all-knowing. His holiness makes it impossible for us to approach. Hence, Christ. That leads us into God being almighty. I'm going out of order in the creed for a reason. (laughs) In the beginning, God. Almighty. I think a lot of times we have a God who is too small. And sometimes it's easy for us to kind of get into that habit because we have these finite brains that are trying to contemplate something that's infinite, infinite, right? We're trying to get our heads around God. In reality, we can only get our head around whatever God reveals to us, and it's usually a little piece at a time. Um, At different times in our lives, by the Holy Spirit, he'll give us the grace to understand a little more about himself as we read his word, as we pray, as we spend time with him. Um, this is the problem with pagan deities their god is too small right they're created by human beings they weren't pre-existent they weren't before creation present at all times and in all places when creatures create their own gods it's really the creatures who are the gods right i mean how can the creature create the god yet we still try to do that in our own lives a lot of times we try to set ourselves up as our own God. So that's kind of the opposite of the creator God who is all-powerful, who's created everything that is, right? Um, <clears throat> the Bible describes this God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, as having these awesome attributes, okay? So this is, this is where I run into trouble trying to preach a sermon because I'd love to spend time on each one of these attributes, but uh, let me just skip off the tops of them for us today as we think about God Almighty, Okay? omniscience, right? God knows all things and is absolutely perfect in knowledge. He knows that thing about you that nobody else does and he loves you anyways. Right? Omnipotence. God has all power. There is nothing more powerful than God. Omnipresence. God is present everywhere. We talked about that. Eternal. God is not limited to the past, the present, or the future. No beginning, no end, no limit. He is ever abiding in his presence. How about this one? Immutable. (laughs) Right? 
Our God is absolutely unchangeable in nature. He remains forever the same. We are the ones who are changeable. The way he relates to us in his unchangeableness may differ. As a loving parent may act in a particular way, depending on how the child acts. But at the core of who he is, God is completely unchangeable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character is constant. His promises are unbreakable and consistent. So those are what um, theologians call his natural attributes. <laughs> right? Moral attributes are the next ones we're going to just bounce the top off of. So, holiness. Right? God is completely and totally apart from what is evil. He is perfect, he is pure, and he is absolutely perfect in his sanctity. Okay? There's no spot, blemish. God doesn't make mistakes and go, oh darn, I should have done it this way. God is righteous. He functions in ways that are completely right, even if we don't understand them. God is just. He acts in ways that are fair, and devoid of bias because he is acting in alignment with his truth. Now God is also merciful and he longs to offer us that forgiveness that will align us with his holiness, his righteousness, and his justice. You tracking with me? Okay, I know it's hot. <laughs> and I know this is different from a usual sermon. It's more of a teaching in that respect, but... Loving kindness is another attribute of God. He reaches out to us with the ultimate of care. Shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept, right? There's an example of God reaching out to us in our humanity, almost in a way that seems opposite of that immutable, omnipotent omniscience. But it's the same God. It's just hard for us to get our heads around God Almighty like that. God is also love. By his very nature, he wants to embrace us. And his heart is broken when we resist. This leads me to the last word for today. Father. When we think of father, perhaps what comes to your mind is your earthly father. And Maybe that's a good image, and maybe it's not. Um, in many respects, this is why some areas of the church have tried to sort of degender the Bible uh, and change all of the references to he and him and father and that kind of thing because of the failed and fallen image of some folks' fathers. But rather than do that, we should lift up God the Father for who he is and how he relates to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So if the sort of super Old Testament understanding of God emphasizes the holiness and sacredness of his name when we think about Father, and it's sort of primarily in the relationship that we have with him as creator, it's in the New Testament that over a hundred times Jesus says, Father, 
using a very interesting word. It's not this immutable, omniscient, distant, far-off God that set the world in order and then abandoned us. You ready for it? It literally means daddy. Abba. What? How is that possible? Do you see the awe and the awesomeness and the wonder of who God is? He's all this and more that we can't even grab in 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. The word daddy, that Aramaic word Abba, this is like the climb into your dad's lap and sit with him while he reads you a book kind of daddy. I'm sorry if that makes you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's true. That's, that's what the word is like. That's where it comes from. And that is the kind of father that through Jesus we have. We actually have that kind of familiarity, literally, in the family with God in that way. <clears throat> you know, every week we, we pray the Lord's Prayer, and we get very official, and we say, Our Father, who art in heaven. It's Abba. That's the word right there. When the disciples said, teach us to pray, and Jesus said, pray like this, our Father, it was Abba. Daddy. Right? <clears throat> you know, the Bible doesn't teach the universal fatherhood of God to everybody. We like to think about that. Um, you know, that God is the, the father of us all. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God is the creator of us all. We are each made in the imago dei, in the image of God, right? But God is only father to those who have been born again into the family of God. And there is a significant and distinct difference there. When we are born again through faith in Jesus Christ, and by the way, Jesus is the one that used that phrase, born again. I know people pick on the born-againers, but Jesus was one of those. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> our relationship with God changes. It's not just creator anymore. Our relationship with God changes, and he becomes our Abba our Father, our loving Father, that anything good that came through our earthly, earthly fathers came from God, and anything that were failings on the parts of our earthly fathers were a product of sin and unregenerated parts of our earthly dads. But God, Abba, completes that for us in his family relationship with us. So God becomes father to those who are born again, begotten again through faith in Jesus Christ. Most of what we know about God the Father is through the relationship between the Father and the Son. When the Son lived on the earth as Jesus Christ. 
Christ accepted the limitations of human flesh, but the Father and the Son continued in their eternal relationship while Jesus was here. Jesus said uh, in John chapter 10, the Father knows me and I know the Father. I and the Father are one. I only do what I see the Father doing and say what I hear the Father say. So the relationship between Jesus and his Father demonstrates the kind of relationship that we long for. Jesus was totally and completely, unequivocally secure in his relationship with his Father. In John chapter 3, in John chapter 5, Jesus says the Father loves the Son. Whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And what did Jesus say when he died on the cross? He trusted his Father completely, even in death. Father. And he used the word Abba. Into your hands I commit my spirit. John chapter 1, 12 to 13 says, To all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. We read that every Christmas Eve, right? The incarnation. Romans chapter 8, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So we were once aliens. We were not part of God's family. We were created by God, but we were not his children. It is through adoption into the family of God that we become children of the Father and heirs to everything that he has for us. So here's the picture. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have this beautiful, unique, wonderful relationship of love that is demonstrated in love between Jesus and his Father. Through the redeeming work of Christ and the Holy Spirit taking over in our lives, we are brought into that circle of God's love and of his family. He is our Abba. Christ is our brother. And the Spirit shares the love and is the teacher and the revealer of truth. I got to close with this scripture from Galatians chapter 4. <clears throat> Verses 4 through 7. And I picked a really small print Bible. <laughs> but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God, Almighty Father. God, the pre-existent creator who dwells in unapproachable light, 
who existed before creation in perfection, in holiness, and in completeness, creates us knowing full well that we would sin and rebel against him. Yet lovingly, through his Son, Jesus Christ, created for us a way to call him Daddy and come into perfect relationship with the Holy Trinity as adopted sons and daughters? If it blows your mind, it should. And there's so much more that we could say about it. But that's our God that we serve. That's the God that has brought us into his family. And if you think that you might be created by God, but aren't yet adopted by him, don't let today go by without asking to be born again. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much that while you could have gone and just existed in perfection without us, you created us for a relationship with you. And that when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, that you sent Jesus to live and to die as one of us, to reconcile us to you. Lord, help us to move by the gift of Christ from creation to child of God, to son or daughter. We thank you for your gift in Christ. We trust you with our past, our present, and we have faith that you hold us in the future. We can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. God, we pray for anyone here who does not yet know you. God, we lift up to you those in our families, and in our communities, that your spirit is bringing to our minds and our hearts right now. We pray, God, that they would surely come to know you. And as someone reminded me today, Lord, that he who began a good work would be faithful until the day of completion in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you, and it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.